Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. What's up, Sam? What's happening? How you doing? That's your thing, man. What's happening? What's happening? What's up? Got that? Pro- <laughs> that's what I keep thinking of. That's, when you what say I, that. that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> How you doing today, man? I'm I'm great. I'm great. How you You're doing? great. You said that shit serious as hell. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great, Jordan. Yeah. Don't ask again. <laughs> Who great, we got man. on the show today? Today we got Kim Kaup, man. There we Kim go. Kim Kaup. I sound like I said Kim Kaup, man. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Kim Kaup. Yeah. Um, she's the CEO and co-founder of the Superfan Company, previously mm-hmm. known as Zine Pack. For those who don't know Zine Pack, uh, it was on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. She was offered a deal. And pretty much at the time, their business model was uh, album bundles mm-hmm. where you, um, I think actually it was primarily touring, but where you buy a ticket and for a VIP package, how she puts it is you get more than a rubber band to put on your wrist and a T-shirt. So she sold these magazines and in these magazines, or these little zines were, you know, secrets that you could only get from the artist, whether that was, you know, pictures that were exclusive to the zine, that sort of thing. Um, and she's been doing it for about eight and a half years now. So obviously zines aren't what fans expect anymore. And we get into this in the podcast. So she's had to expand and scale her business model to, to much bigger things, to make these VIP packages uh, much more engaging in today's world. So um, I'm really excited to talk about what we talk about in this episode, because the main thing that people ask me in terms of what they should do for their artistry and for their artists is what should I focus on first? Um, A lot of people think it's getting a record deal or getting a manager. And in some cases it may be, but all of that has to come after fan engagement. Fan Mm -hmm. engagement is always my number one thing for artists. How Mm -hmm. are you engaging the people who are already listening to your music? Mm -hmm. How are you going to get more listeners organically? How are you going to do this without, you know, a major label behind your back because these are the people that are going to stick with you right now for the rest of your career. So right. um, it's great that she is really good at what she does in this niche market because it's just getting more and more important in today's world. What do you think, Sam? I loved it. I mean, I think it's really interesting to think about the relationship that any artist or brand has with their fans, especially their super fans. I think those are your biggest advocates, uh, your biggest ambassadors in a world so prominent with digital media and Instagram and all this. Nothing is ever really going to transcend word of mouth marketing. So to the extent that you can really nurture that relationship with your your super fans goes a very, very long way. Um, we dive into some different ways that you can actually leverage and develop that relationship. Um, some kind of bigger trends and interesting, interesting things that are happening when it comes to the live events industry and that side of the music business. And then also, I mean, Kim has just been running her own business for over eight years. So we dive into some of the entrepreneurial lessons, which I really enjoyed. Before we jump into the episode too, there also is one really interesting uh, software uh, web app that might be useful given the context of this conversation, but it's actually called TrueFan, T-R-U-F-A-N. If you just Google TrueFan or I believe go to TrueFan.io, it's an app that will essentially allow you to analyze your or an artist's Instagram following and see the people that have commented the most. So you can look at the past hundred posts and see who's actually consistently commented and then really proactively start to engage with those people because you know that they're your true fans, whether that's right. creating an uh, IG DM group and curating and organizing conversation there or 
maybe that's, uh, I mean, even if you look at like Dunk and Elliot, who was one of our past guests, or even Andre, the Benz, uh, or Benz, who runs and founded Trap Nation, both those guys have built a massive online communities and YouTube, Instagram, and they just say how critical community management is, right? And right. constantly nurturing that relationship right. with their fans. And then if you look at Dunk, I mean, they're going so far to create all these different DM groups for their super fans to create community uh, amongst their fans. So right. going real deep into that right now, but I think this episode came dives far deeper. So really excited to, to explore how you guys can truly leverage and nurture that relationship with your super fans. Yep. So without any further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. I'm excited. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm excited to be here. It's a beautiful Monday in New York. Oh, man, that's funny. I thought today was pretty miserable outside. <laughs> but I guess that just goes to show your it's attitude to life. Yeah. Bro, yeah. <laughs> like, I got something to learn, I guess. Damn. It's not winter. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is not winter. You're right. I'm loathing winter. Winter's coming. I've, I've had so many conversations ready. today about winter, like, just because it's gray outside. And I'm like, I'm in ready. January, it's every day here. It's super gray. Not ready. Don't want it. <laughs> Return cool. to sender. But we work in the music industry, so we can always go to L.A. We can always we can, we can always visit LA. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, cool. Let's jump right into it. Um, so your company, I want to talk about what motivation you had to provide a more vibrant experience to fans, like personally. Like what about it uh, is in line with your values? I think for my values, really over-delivering on the people that love you is so important. And that's basically true in life too. Yeah, you know, right. if someone's really showing you a lot of love, you show them love back. And yeah. I think that especially the fans that we work with, you know, over the course of eight years since we started the company, I always remind people, you know, when the company started, there was no such thing as Instagram. There was no such thing as Snapchat. Uh, Twitter was just becoming something that people use. Spotify was not here yet. Like we were in a very, very different landscape than we are now. Mm -hmm. And I think the only thing that's helped massively over the last eight and a half years with all of these different social platforms is the connection. Mm -hmm. You know, I always joke that when I was growing up, it used to be enough to say, oh, new kids on the block. I like that song. And that was kind of the end of it. <laughs> now it's, oh, I heard that song by Billie Eilish. What'd she eat for breakfast? What's her routine? How does she get her hair like that? Are those fake eyelashes? Like people are leaning so far into artists now where 20 years ago, no one cared what Madonna ate for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have the TMZs and the paparazzi and the Instagrams and the, the sneak peek basically into people's lives that we do now. And what that has created is fans that are more passionate than ever. I think than they've ever been in history because I don't think people cared as much what some of these guys ate for breakfast or yeah. the deodorant they used. Plus, I mean, the, the access creates a mechanism for more empathy and more connection. Yeah. Right? yeah. Totally. If you do it right, you right. know, if the artist is actually engaging properly, then they can really take advantage of that opportunity. But at the same time, it does ask a lot more from, from artists. Yeah, it's you know? like a double-edged sword for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's part of the game today, though. I mean, it is. I know, but it, it creates this opportunity to really form these tight, tight bonds mm -hmm. with fans. And when you say do this or go here, click this or download this, I mean, they come out yeah. hard. For <laughs> like, sure. If you've cultivated, it's like a garden. If you've cultivated those seeds, like 
they're going to grow. Totally. totally. <laughs> it's going to be big. Just off the top too, because I really love the way you kind of laid this out and think about this, but could you just break down what you see as kind of the two different groups of fans that all artists have? Yeah, I think whether people, and, and just beyond artists, whether it's sports teams or brands, you have two subsets. You have casual fans, I fly Delta one time a year. And then you have super fans, which are, I'm not flying anything but Delta. I have the Delta credit card. I have to hit platinum for my miles. I will go on a flight that I don't even need just so I can hit platinum. (laughs) Like those (laughs) super users that it's the same thing, whether it's Katy Perry or Logic. There are fans that are, oh, I heard that song one time and I kind of liked it. And there are fans that know every single lyric to every single song and the B-sides, and the ones that were exclusive to Target, and they sat front row, and they came two hours early. You know, they're super fans. And I think for a long time, people just say, my fans, my fan, my fan base. And you're starting to see that change in the last couple of years with people saying, uh, these are my Katie cats, or, you know, giving nicknames to these sort of super, the beehive, these sort of super fan yeah. groups. And those groups are really powerful. And I always tell people, you can ignore them. That's one category. (laughs) And you can just say, well, I have one fan base and it is what it is. But it would best serve you to actually pay attention to them, Mm -hmm. to pay attention, to cultivate, to talk to them in a different way, to allow them to experience something in a different way. And you see that, again, whether you're in music or outside of music. And if anything, I think music is sometimes a little slow to catch up. I mean, Starbucks loyalty program has been going on for like 10 years now. And people are like Mm -hmm. super users of Starbucks reward points. And, you know, we're just now getting to that point in music. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. And I love that breakdown. I've never really thought about it directly in that way. So I'm definitely going to even just myself walk away from this and really think about ways to engage Oh, they're there. Yeah, for sure. They're there. A hundred percent. And I mean, it reminds me too, because like Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule, if you guys are familiar with that, I mean, it's essentially uh, 20% of your inputs or 20% uh, of the inputs accounts for like 80% of the results. So this goes as far as your own personal productivity at work. 20% of what you do is really driving 80% of your results. For musicians, it's probably... 20% 20% your top 20% songs are probably driving 80% of all your fan base growth and your royalties and all that stuff. And I think for fans, it's the same thing too, because that the top 20% of those super fans, those most engaged fans um, are ultimately the ambassadors or is the one advocating for your music where, I mean, obviously I like, I live like neck deep in this like social media digital world, but nothing's going to transcend word of mouth marketing ever. No. Um, and I think that once again, it goes back to those super fans. So the way in which you can really proactively nurture and engage with those people um, goes a very, very, very long way. No, it's huge. And it's the type of thing where the more you engage with them, the more they're able to give back, the more they're able to spread the word. And again, to your point, I always give this example to people, but we all have email blasts that we've signed up for, Mm -hmm. or the New York Times says, here are the 10 new restaurants. And I kind of look at it and I say, oh yeah, new restaurant. Oh, this opened in Tribeca, da, da, da. Nothing will motivate me more than going to lunch with a friend and having them say, oh my gosh, I went to the best place last night. You got to check it out. Lower East Side, best tacos. 
I could have read about that same place three other times and mm-hmm. been kind of saying, oh yeah, I guess I'll check that out. And the minute my friend tells me it's it's instant FOMO and it's, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have to get to Lori's side tonight for yeah. these tacos yeah, yeah, for sure. so that I can be part of the conversation. So I can say, oh, I've been there too. And it's the same thing with, with that super fan base and the music you're putting out or the tour stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. So when you think about that, I mean, what are the ways in which you have seen and done and helped artists, teams, music companies, whether it's festivals or artists management, um, nurture and, and I mean, capitalize on one side, but how, how do you create more value for those super fans? Yeah, I think it's twofold for us. You know, number one, sort of the easy one is VIP packages, right? Those have grown exponentially in the last couple of years. Depending on who you ask, it can be different reasons. Oh, the record label went to crap. So then touring became where everybody made their money or, mm-hmm. oh, merchandise is so important now for all these limited edition drops like Supreme and Off-White do these limited runs. So someone's going to have a different answer. But Regardless, these VIP packages are huge. They are more expensive than ever. You know, it's not like these VIP packages are $100. I mean, some of these are thousands. I think the Rolling Stones was selling like a $2,500 VIP package. I mean, these are really, really expensive packages. (laughs) And again, in today's day and age of, you know, Instagram worthiness and feeling cool and exclusive and like you really got something. If you paid $2,500 and someone gave you a rubber bracelet and a t-shirt, you're not going to be happy. (laughs) In fact, you're going to be real pissed. And not only that, but it used to be when you were real pissed, you might tell 10 of your friends at brunch the next day, oh, I got totally ripped off by this event. That sucks. I tell people you are one cheese sandwich fire festival away from like massive bad PR mm-hmm. of someone saying, you know, I spent my last $2,500 on this package and all I got was blank. All of a sudden that goes viral. That's on the Today Show. Oh, what a terrible artist who's ripping off their fans. Like now people's voices for better or for worse <laughs> when they complain mm-hmm. are bigger than ever. And so how you treat people that are spending so much money on you is important. And right. it's going to be a reflection of you as an artist and everybody has to make their margin. We're very aware of that, but there's a big difference between making something thoughtful that people are going to be really excited about and throwing a rubber bracelet and a 50 cent poster and saying, oh yeah, that's definitely worth $950. Totally, 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 totally. It's Um, crazy. How do you think, I know you just brought up the Rolling Stones, but for for indie artists and earlier artists, how do you Mm -hmm. think they get that fan engagement or they can get that fan engagement without having, you know, $2,500 VIP packages? Yeah. I think a lot of the fan engagement when people are just starting out is, you know, one thing I always keep coming back to is find something that's Instagram worthy and is braggable. (laughs) I I make up my own verbs quite often. Um, So make something that's braggable and Instagrammable. So for instance, we did all the ticket packaging for Stagecoach this year. So when the wristbands went out, the RFID wristbands to everybody who's going to Stagecoach in this bubble mailer was a flat sort of thick piece of cardboard paper that you could fold up into a Tinkerton trailer, which was sort of on their website and is very iconic when it comes to the festival. Now, there was no carrot at the end of the stick. We didn't tell people 
if you take a picture of this, you get to meet Luke Bryan. Or <laughs> if you tweet about this, you know, Blake Shelton will do a meet and greet. Nothing. There was no carrot. It was just, this is fun. This is for you. Bonus little extra. People went nuts. They were building them. They were putting them in the grass. They were putting them with their like <laughs> other toy cars. And it was amazing. And the organic impressions alone were over 300,000 wow. in the first 15 days. Wow. And that was wow. with no carrot at the end of the stick. There was no sort of you win something or you get something. And so what I'm constantly going back to people with is even if you don't have a lot of money, even if you're not charging hundreds of dollars, I mean, that was a flat piece of paper. Mm -hmm. But it garnered, you know, over a quarter million impressions because fans were just so excited. And again, it gives them something to take a picture of. So we do a lot of stuff for up-and-coming artists with commemorative tickets. Mm. Again, that's always a big one because I joke all the time, if you're maybe in the back of Webster Hall or somewhere and you post a picture and that artist looks like a little blurry dot <laughs> or maybe more of a blob. Um, it's not going to get a lot of likes. <laughs> you know that. You know it's not going to get a lot of likes. Um, or you know it's not the best quality of filming because, uh, you know, people are bumping you or you're trying to hold your gin and tonic or whatever, mm -hmm. water. Um, and so, you know, making these commemorative tickets that outside people can take a picture of it next to the sold-out sign mm -hmm. or the next day. And I'm allowed to say this because— I'm a basic girl too. You know, it's with their matcha tea and their succulent and their commemorative ticket. And it's a little picture over and it says like, best night ever last night. Um, you know, like giving people a way to talk about where they were and talk about what it is that they're doing. That's a really inexpensive way that people can, people can brag about where they've been and what they've been up to. Awesome. Um, how much Think about of, it just reminds me of Masego too. We had a, uh, What's his, our, our man's name? Levi Wilcox. Talking about how they will literally like print fake money with Masego's face on it. Yes. To like make it rain at <laughs> concerts. But then that creates this very like commemorative experience that people. And it doesn't cost so much. No. It's just, it's just he, little They put it on the rider. Yeah. They actually get the <laughs> yeah. venues to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. But again, I'm sure people grab that. They Instagram it. They put it on Snapchat. You know, again, it's giving people. I joke all the time because people say to me, well, Kim, you know, everything is so digital. Everything's so digital. And that is true. The world is becoming more digital. But I think the more digital the world becomes, we've also created, for better or for worse, but I call this sort of nanny nanny boo-boo culture, which is on Instagram, it's I'm on vacation, you're not. I'm backstage <laughs> at the Grammys and you're not. I'm here at Coachella with an artist pass and you're at home. Like we, it's the greatest hits album, right? Mm -hmm. It's the greatest things. And so in order to have that greatest hits album, you have to have something to brag about. Right. And so those wow, yeah. things become more, those physical things that you can actually hold and take a picture of or pose with or, you right. know, whatever it is. That's why we see all these big experiences now. Rose Mansion, the Friends pop up open because people want to be able to take pictures to brag about where they are and what we're doing. I'm not saying it's the end of the world, mm -hmm. but the locuses are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think we're devolving. But <laughs> the point is, is that while we're here in this, you know, I think that the physical stuff becomes more important than ever purely because people want to, people want to brag about it. Mm -hmm. Flat out. Yeah. So what, um, another real quick example before you yeah, dive in, ahead, just, uh, like I, I think of, uh, and this 
hits your point, takes your point home completely. Because I think I remember people sharing photos of like the Rolling Loud tickets. Yeah. Because the packaging is like, it looks like it's a bag of loud. It's like the yeah. the pharmacy or like if you go to like a, a weed store um, or not a weed store and you yeah, just I've get never, up I've never been to a weed store, Sam. <laughs> what? No, what you're talking no, about. They, they replicate that packaging <laughs> to look like their ticket. So it yeah, creates yeah. this big like cultural thing. People laugh when they get it themselves. It's this cool unboxing experience. Even that that's unboxing experience too. That literally talking sounds about like that. something you guys would do. Yeah. yeah. Like at your company, yeah, it sounds yeah. like something you would come up with. Totally. <laughs> For sure. hundred percent. That's awesome. Okay. So, um, I, I was just want to ask again about like indie artists, like yeah. how much of the process, well, I guess this question's twofold. So one, what makes a good client for you to work with? Mm-hmm. What? Not an asshole. That that's like the big that's the biggest thing. No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say you run into that many assholes. So you're like, oh damn, they're an asshole. Can't do it. <laughs> I know. I know that's a deal breaker, though. I know that's a deal breaker. Um, and also in terms of newer artists, um, how much of what you do is actually listening to new artists and being like, hey, you know, I know this might not be something you do right now, but like keeping your ear on the pulse of up and coming artists. Is that something that you guys do at all? Or because I know you guys are music fans too, you know? Yeah. A lot of it, I will say, especially after being in the business for the last eight and a half years, we've been very, very, very fortunate uh, that word of mouth has been really Mm -hmm. good. And that's something that I, you know, when I talk to younger people who are coming up in the industry, I say all the time that your reputation is like a bowl of water. And then, and every piece of, you know, you screw somebody on a deal or you pay late or you don't pay at all or all that stuff is like little food coloring drops. Mm. And it does not take much to make your bowl very, very murky. Mm. So I sort of protect my bowl and, and the company's bowl against all odds. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I flat out told people not to work with us, like looked at their scope, looked at everything going on and I'll say, I'm actually the not the best person for you. And I'm going to show you the best person that you should actually be using. And, you know, we don't have any investors or else they'd probably shoot me and throw <laughs> me out the window. Um, my the CPA certainly gets angry because, you know, they look at it as, well, you, you know, you're letting that money just walk out the door. You're letting these things just walk out the door. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a reason that 70% of our clients are repeat. You know, there's a reason that we've worked with Sean Mendes for five years. There's mm-hmm. a reason that we've worked with these people over and over again, because I like to think that they know that I'm going to tell them the truth, right. even if that's not in my best, best interest. interest, because for me, it's about what is in the artist's best interest. And so the reputation part to me is so extremely important. And I think we've had massive success of then other people telling other people like, Hey, you know, and I think as you know, the manager world is so small. You guys all know each other. You all talk all the time. And so I've had my cell phone ring. I usually don't pick up random numbers, but for some reason I decided to pick up this random number one time. (laughs) And it was, uh, Josh Dick who manages Flatbush Zombies and Macklemore and we chatted and I said at the end of the conversation, I'm so glad you called, but I'm just curious, how did you get my number? Like, how did this happen? 
And he had gotten it from Harry from Visionary. Oh. And so that Damn, was something. he didn't tell you he gave you a number to somebody, though? <laughs> Come anyone, on, Harry. Harry. Anyone. Come on, Harry. <laughs> you're you're call you out after this episode, bro. Yeah, I'm going to text you right now, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anyone who's going to send me business has full permission yeah. to send my <laughs> cell phone number, yeah, just give Instagram all my handle, address. <laughs> all my contact address. You can come see me. <laughs> all the things if you're going to send me business. Uh, no, but funny. it's like, to me, it's such a vote. Like, that's the best compliment I could get. Because to me, that's, it even means more than the biggest monetary deal or whatever. Because, and this is going to sound super hippie, but, you know, this industry is so small is I feel like you're, your character says a lot. And when people recommend people to you, it's because they know you're not horrible. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of nice. Yeah, for <laughs> you sure. Know? So I would say, I would say reputation. And again, just sort of those repeat managers talking to each other is a huge one for us. Luckily, awesome. knock on this table. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so you guys have been around for a fairly long time at this point, eight and a half years. Um, afloat. And I know you guys had early success like really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep momentum? How did you keep momentum in the space, especially as you're saying, as it changed so much over the years? Yeah, I feel like we've had 75,000 pivots um, <laughs> of the business. But I think the one thing that just kept growing, and it's why we we changed the name to Superfan Company about two years ago now, is just the fandom with every new digital platform continues to grow. And I think as people build out these experience, uh, whether it's a pop-up store or, um, you know, Sean Mendez and Verizon just did this whole experience thing here in New York, there's constantly things that are going on. I think fans, for better or for worse, again, just feel more and more connected. And mm-hmm. so that to me is just something that we always keep coming back to and always keep leaning into is at the end of the day, what does that fan engagement look like? And I always tell people this example. And I think, I don't know if we've caught up to this in the industry in terms of whether it's the record label or the talent agencies or whatever, because I always say, you know, it's the PR company's job, their whole job or the PR department at the label or whatever is for everybody to know that Drake is playing Barclays on October 1. You know, it's the marketing team's job that not only are people aware that Drake is playing, but it's going to be really great. There's going to be all these sponsors attached and it's going to be a really cool show. And here's the opening act and whatever. And I always say, once that fan buys a ticket, okay, good job. You got the fish on the line. You reeled them in. They bought a ticket. Okay. When they, everything after that point, from buying the ticket to stepping into the Barclays Center to, you know, what they experience before they get to their seat and what they experience on the ways out, whose job is that? Mm-hmm. And that's when I start to get all this like, oh, it's a little bit of the manager <laughs> and it's a little bit of the VIP company and it's a little bit of the promoter's job. And I'm like, it's nobody's job. Like, it's this weird no man's land of like, whose job is that? And so we've sort of come in and said, we'll fill that job. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll come in and say, what does that fan experience look like? Because I think that's going to become, it's becoming more and more important. And I think it's only going to become exponentially important as we go into 2020 and beyond. What do you think the next thing is in fan engagement? So everything you said earlier, everybody, and I, you know, we agree. Um, Mm -hmm. Everybody is expecting more and more of artists 
Um, yeah. I personally think it could get into some like weird VR shit where like <laughs> Kim Kardashian is like sitting at the end of a table or something. It's like, <laughs> like people can like VR into it's her like dinner or some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like something like that, you know, like it, I feel like it can get that crazy. What yeah. are some ideas that you're like, oh, you know, maybe we should be on the lookout for this in a few years? Yeah, I think, I think for me, what I really see as sort of an extension specifically for music artists, and and we're already seeing this, but they start to look at new ideas to kind of outlets for their creativity. So Katy Perry has a shoe line. Katy Perry has a perfume line in addition to the music, in addition to all of these different things. And I think that you know, we see that a lot with Drake. He has a record label. He invests in art. He, you know, he has all these different things going on. And I think that that, instead of those becoming the outlier, where it used to be like, well, only Drake has mm-hmm. these eight octopus arms going on. <laughs> I think that's going to be the norm. Right. I think even up and coming artists are going to start thinking not just, well, what is my next single? And, you know, what's that going to sound like? I think they're already going to start thinking about how do I grow my email list? Mm -hmm. You know, what is my data collection strategy? And I think that for better or for worse, that they're either like that in terms of their own mind or they're hiring good managers or somebody to come on on and say, I'm good with lyrics and melody. I'm not good with all this other stuff that I know is super important that somebody needs to be thinking about, but like, it can't be me. But then there are some artists that, you know, we've experienced, you know, we work with Lindsay Sterling for a number of years. She, I got to give it to that girl. She is on every conference call, both creative and business. I mean, she knows her business inside and out. It's phenomenal. It's crazy, actually. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I think that one thing that's becoming more popular now is like, especially in the hip hop world is like rappers having labels. So when you when you were like either they're not just thinking of what's the next single is but like what's the next octopus arm they can yeah. grow. It's like it's almost a rite of passage now in hip hop to have a label. So people are thinking not only like who do I get signed to but who who gives me the access in order to have my own label at the same time. You know that that happens in deals now too. And again, I think that's going to start becoming the norm. Right. Whereas, again, you know, 20 years ago is, oh, that's an outlier. Oh, my gosh. Somebody got an imprint. Madonna got her own imprint. That was like, wow. Now people don't even blink. If anything, to your point, it's like, well, where's my imprint? Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to sign the deal. Where's my imprint? You know? Jay-Z kind of started that, too. You know? Exactly. Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. um, That just got so big. And he was rapping at the same time. So. No, or Diddy with Bad Boy. I mean, oh, like, yeah, there's... True. But Diddy, Diddy also, st- I think he started as a businessman. And then he yeah. kind of backtracked to be a He's musician. He's a business. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Not a businessman. He's a businessman. <laughs> um, I know this is, like, super cliche, but I want to talk, like, a little bit about Shark Tank. All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> what... So, obviously, you guys came up with the idea for the company. You already had clients before you went on Shark Tank. At what point was it like, you know, we should try this as opposed to taking the traditional route of, you know, having just regular investor meetings? And no, So what was the company at that point in time for yeah. more context? Yeah, at, yeah. That, at that point in time, we were called Zine Pack, which was basically a, a combination of the words magazine and package. And what we were doing is we were essentially doing deluxe album bundles at Walmart, Target, and retail-based stores, mm-hmm. uh, mainly Walmart at the time. And so it'd be everybody from if Kids Bop was doing a deluxe to 
uh, Johnny Cash to Katy Perry, I used to say like, young people, dead people, (laughs) pop, rock. Like it was like (laughs) everybody. Um, It was great. And so it's funny because we actually were asked to be on the show. Mm. Um, So I'll give you like a- That's awesome. I'll give you like a a (laughs) BTS here. But essentially we were on Inc. Magazine's 35 under 35 list. And the year we were on, Travis from Uber was on the cover. And the other 35 people in the magazine, it would have their picture and it would have a bubble. And the bubble would have like the names of the founders and where they were located and their ages. And then it would have like their list of investors. So of course, Travis from Uber has like all these fancy (laughs) Ashton Kutcher and, you know, all these fancy schmancy people. And um, then it'd be the next founder and they'd have this big bubble. And eventually they got to ours and we didn't have a bubble. We had like a dot, (laughs) but a dot because it basically just said our names you know, New York City, our ages. And then for investors, it just said NA because we didn't have any investors at that point. So our bubble was a dot and everybody else had this big bubble with very impressive That's kind of baller too, though, you know? So we got a call from one of the producers and he was basically like, is this a misprint? Like, did you not get your information to them on time? Or have you really not raised anything? And we said, oh, we hadn't raised anything. And they said, well, would you be interested in going on the show? And I actually had never seen a show before. I don't watch like a ton of reality TV. I don't watch The Bachelorette. I don't watch oh, I do. Survivor. I, I watch The Bachelorette. Do favorite you? Show. Yeah, that's like one of the only TV reality what TV shows I watch. What about Bachelor in Paradise? I watch both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like, that's like what? literally the only reality TV show I watch. Expose you, George. Wow. That, that and Terrace House. Those, those two are the only two I watch. That's hilarious. But anyway, I digress. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You watch them every week. I don't watch them every week. I get caught up. I get caught up because it's four <laughs> hours a week for Bachelor in Paradise. Like, like it's it's a lot of content. You know. Should we call you a super fan? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Definitely. Do you not miss an episode? This season, I was embarrassed. I missed way more Bachelor in Paradise I than I would like to say. I missed two episodes this last season, and it was tragic. But <laughs> I will say this. I did watch the Bachelorette finale in a bar with a bunch of other people. Okay, so, like, I did, I did go somewhere. I did go somewhere to see the I Bachelorette finale. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just watching it in my house. In my bed on my laptop alone. Yeah. No, it's no, hard. My girlfriend's a super fan. She makes quizzes every, every, uh, every season. Okay. So, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, you're roped in. I'm roped in. You're roped in. I'm roped in. Okay. So, I had never seen the show. <laughs> you guys maybe should work, work with the I mean, Yeah, we've never seen the show. And um, we had been approached in previous years because, you know, I'm sure you guys know the formula of like the hills and Laguna Beach where it's like yeah. young girls working in New York City, working with celebrities. And you start to get the calls from like, you know, reality show producers of like, can we follow you around? And, you know, you pretend to date someone. It's like, no. <laughs> I don't, I like don't want to do reality TV. I've never wanted to do reality TV. It's an, it's a hard no. Mm-hmm. And so when the producer called and was like, oh, it's this reality business show. I was like, no, because I just heard reality <laughs> and I heard TV and I was like, no. And my co-founder was like, she had seen the show and she's like, I don't want to say no. Like you have to give it a chance. You haven't even watched an episode. You don't even know what it is, which is true because Totally ignorant of me to just be like, no. <laughs> Did you say no to them first? 
Yeah, because I, d- I didn't want to oh, be. I thought it was reality TV. Oh, I thought it was like, oh, we want you to be on reality TV. I just didn't TV. know if you said no to your co-founder, like we can't do this. Or you responded directly to them like, nah, no. swerve. <laughs> swerve. <laughs> she was like, go home and watch the episode, like watch a couple episodes and then, you know, we can make a decision. And then I came back in and I was like, oh, it's not what I thought it was. So I was like, this is cool. We can, we can do this. I'm okay with this. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, you did pretty well on there. I yeah, watched, I watched we, the clip. We did a deal on the show with Robert and Lori, but we didn't do the deal in real life. Oh, oh damn! Really? Yeah, the fine print. Yeah, so we did. They got a little sketchy. Like, we oh, said we were gonna give you money, yeah, but we not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will know this better than anyone. So I always tell people when people are like shocked, and I say, "Well, how many people from The Bachelorette or The Bachelor end up getting married?" They get engaged on the show. Yeah, you're right. And then all of a sudden, two or three months later, it's like, oh, they broke up. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> they broke true. up. So it's the same thing. It was like, you know, you speed date. And then once you actually get into it, you're like, I think we're better off as friends and not married. So you're so cool another. with them? So cool with them. We actually ended up working with them on a couple projects nice. just like separately afterwards. But we just realized we couldn't, there was no like business that we could actually do together that would be really fruitful for either one of us. So mm-hmm. we just, we stayed as friends. We're yeah. not married. We're friends with benefits, I guess. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice, 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 nice. That's a good way to put it because you guys still work together. Exactly. Um, Sorry, I'm like taking up the yeah, time. Yeah, all good. What are some of the, I mean, <laughs> so going back to like VIP experiences because I think that seems like a big area of your focus right now. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most innovative examples of that that you've seen? Different events, different experiences, packages that you feel like are that you love to even personally like point to as examples of like we could be doing it like this. Something you showed your team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We actually just did a really fun one with Flatbush Zombies. Um, if you guys are familiar, they're an awesome, fun group. Very yeah, creative. Zombies, yeah. Very if you ever check out their Instagram, you know, at Flatbush Zombies, very colorful. Um, all the guys are like artists and very creative and innovative. And so we came up with this concept for their last tour that they just finished up, um, that instead of a happy meal, um, Meech was calling it a crappy meal, but essentially it looks like a McDonald's happy meal box. And it has all the things that you used to like, I don't want to say get high and eat when (laughs) you were a teenager. (laughs) I'm not going to say that, but one might say that. (laughs) And so there was like animal crackers and there was a, like a juice that you could fill with lemonade. I didn't say vodka. One could do vodka or not. (laughs) Um, with their like lemonade mixture. Um, The pops, we did a pop socket for like a toy. Like it was this whole piece and it was so fun. And we gave them out to VIPs. And again, it was one of those things that any of their super fans know that these guys not only are very cool and creative and colorful, but they like to partake in the natural resources of the planet. Whether that be... (laughs) weed, mushrooms, other such natural resources. (laughs) And thus, having an experience that sort of was a play on what that's like was very funny to a lot of fans. I hope this is how you talked about it in the meeting too. You're like, I think we could capitalize (laughs) off your intake of 
natural resources <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> you know, it is what it yeah. is, you know? I, <laughs> I always watch when I write in emails. Because I'm always like, if this gets forwarded, I'm going to look insane. <laughs> I feel like I have no filter. Me neither. I need, I need to. I need to, man. I need to. I have no filter. It just comes out and I hit that send button. No looking back. You it know? was funny. I went to Burning Man recently and some of my clients do actually play there. So I was like, I need to go do some some thorough market research. <laughs> <laughs> I need exactly. to know what the artist's experience yeah, is like. Yeah, 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 in order yeah, the, to the fan experience, the artist's experience. It. Yeah, a client's manager even one of my recommended that I test out some natural experiences or natural resources <laughs> because it would, he was like, it'll literally change the content you make forever. <laughs> like we have this, they would put me in the head of the customer. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. nah, I love it. You're like in it. Yeah, oh, yeah for real. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a there rational are, argument to be made there are super for fans, market research. There are super fans at Burning Man too. Oh, for sure. follow around the carts and totally. follow around the DJs that are playing and yeah. I have to be at this camp at this time because this goes down. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's legit. People have like schedules. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Everyone's like, oh, you roam free. I'm like, really? I, ma- I, I made a schedule. schedule. I made a schedule. Didn't it was completely out. Yeah, it went out the window after yeah. like day two. After um, the natural resources hit? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, cool. Let's let's get back on track. Going on So what's the natural resources? <laughs> let's get back on track to natural to resources. <laughs> okay, okay. Enough to talk about natural resources. Um when it comes to just your lessons and journey and development as an entrepreneur, obviously you've been in the game for, I mean, running this company eight and a half, nine years. Um, what do you feel like have been some of the biggest turning points or, or realizations or just kind of personal growth areas that you feel have made a massive impact in your business growth? I would say, you know, on top of the reputation, which we already talked about, which I I just cannot stress enough because I feel like some of these people coming up are, they hear the words like scrappy and hustler and that they think that means like screw people over, mm-hmm. you know, asshole. like, yeah. oh, got to get the most money. And I'm like, oh, my friend, it is such a long game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you are literally shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Like, you have no idea because everybody will never work with you again. And I've that's, seen really big deals fall through because of that. Because it was like, huge. I don't want to deal with this artist manager. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This artist manager's an asshole. I'm not going to give this artist money because their manager's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. You know? And it it hurts your creative opportunities because people are like, I don't want to set my co, I don't want to set this co rate up because again, I don't like that agent or yeah. I don't like that manager. And so your reputation is huge. I would also say, you know, the the thing that I always keep in mind is it's not it's not a no, it's just a not right now. I mean, I have people that I somewhat say stock, I say passionately pursue <laughs> that I really want to work with that I just think, "Oh my gosh, this is so amazing or this would be so great." And you know, they say no. Like, no, no, the next time, no, no again. (laughs) And I just have to keep in mind, and I think everybody would, you know, sometimes I think we're a little bit of like babies. Like, oh, you said no to me. Like, I'm never going to ask again. Like, no, who knows what was going on in that 
time and that moment with that album cycle. And like, you know, so much of the time you only know half the story. So someone could be saying no to you, not because they don't like you or it just, the idea wasn't the right idea Mm. at that time. And so I've had tons of people that I've worked with, but it's only three years after I met them Mm -hmm. or four years after I met them. And so again, sort of having that resilience to kind of keep going back, even if it, even if you keep getting the no, I think is huge. And the last thing would be to pay your freaking dues. And this is going to make me sound so old and I'm not millennial bashing because technically I am a millennial, but I feel like there are so many people in this industry that want to like skip five steps. Mm. And it's like, you have got to get coffee. I used to get my boss coffee. I don't want to hear any of this stuff that, oh, you don't want to go to Starbucks. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all went to Starbucks. So like. Or just leave, you know. Yeah. It's or like, leave. You if you're have not into to, it, you can leave. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. It's like, you have to, <laughs> you have to pay the dues. And I always say that, especially even now, like for me, I never ask anybody on my team to do something that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I will take out the trash, like then I'll ask somebody else to take out the trash. Like mm-hmm. don't ever get too like big for your bridges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Cool. Um, I got one more question. I say we get in the hot takes. What you Let's think? Do it. I want to know I like what is uh, an assumption that you had when you started your company mm-hmm. about super fans that has since changed. Yeah. I thought all super fans were like crazies. <laughs> you know, and you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the people that show up, not only show up to the show like three hours early, but like sit really close to the tour bus. <laughs> and like anybody who gets off the tour bus, they're like, who are who are you? Can I take a picture with you? Like that set of crazies, they exist. I love them. I mean, those are my people. It's great. But like, that's a very small subset I feel like sometimes when I say the word super fan, people automatically think like, oh, the people that are waiting outside the Hyatt Hotel at two in the morning mm-hmm. for Justin Bieber to leave. And I'm like, okay, no. Like those are super super. You know, fans. those are super super <laughs> fans. Like those are borderline stalkers. Like yeah. not those. Um, but there's like a whole swath of of other ones that, you know, aren't waiting at mm-hmm. a hotel at two in the morning. Right. right so right. there's that small difference. Totally. Oh. All right, let's get into hot takes. Cool. So hot takes are things we um, don't necessarily believe ourselves, but it's things we've heard other people oh, saying. Or like co- rumors? Or common misconceptions. Not like drama, but just like oftentimes industry naivete. Yeah. He's um, Lindsay Lohan song. Yeah. Yeah. So for this hot take, uh, I think you spent a lot of time in the space of like act activations, finding cool ways to, to create cooler experiences at different events. But um, for artists, shows are the only in real life activation to focus on. True or false. True or false. Like, should artists be spending more time thinking about ways to activate their fans or super fans beyond just leaning all, going all into their, their show experiences? I think it depends on the artist. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a maybe. And what I mean by that is... I have met some artists that are total extroverts, right? Mm -hmm. Like they get energy from their fans that they're like, 
you know, Andy Grammer with this last tour was doing donut stops. So before he played XYZ venue, he would send a massive text and e-blast out and say, I'm going to be at the whatever donut plant on 23rd between 5th and 6th at 4 p.m. I'm going to be there for 20 minutes handing out donuts, like come through (laughs) and, you know, would have tons of fans show up and like eat donuts with them. And that's great. It's perfect for his personality and it's perfect for the type of person he is. And I've met other artists that are really introverted. Mm -hmm. Like instead of getting energy from fans, like it drains them, Mm -hmm. you know, like after shows they're drained. Like it's not, it's just like there, it's a different personality type. Mm -hmm. Like the thought of doing meet and greets to them is like, exhausting mm-hmm. because of like the emotional Watch toll out. that it that it takes. So I would say, is it helpful? Of course. Like Andy Grammer handing out donuts, like the fans are just going to love him even more. But I also think that <laughs> fans are smart enough to know that if somebody's an introvert and it's feeling forced, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, it's awkward. Yeah. Like this person's there, but you can tell they feel really uncomfortable and they're kind of looking at their feet and they, they keep looking at their manager and they're like, <laughs> when can we go? Like, then the fans are just like, oh, this feels creepy and weird. Right. So Am I, would, I a stalker? <laughs> <laughs> Am I a super, super fan? What is happening? <laughs> so I would say yes, if your artist is the type of artist that genuinely enjoys those experiences. Mm -hmm. But if they're not, it could be something that, you know, they do a live Instagram story. Um, You know, Lav does this all the time of like a live Instagram story with little snippets of, here's 30 seconds of the song I wrote today. You know, let me just do something. He's not in a room with 25 people. He's not out. He's in his own space and his own comfort. But he gets to share that with other people. So... That's very long-winded, but I would I say like it, it depends. No, it's great. Cool. Second one. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. True or false? A hundred percent. My goal every day is to be the dumbest person anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, I hope that I'm the dumbest one here. And I think that a lot of that is, one, tons of whether it's Brene Brown or Tony Robbins or whatever self-help guru that it's going to take is – it takes a lot for people to leave their ego at the door. You know, a lot of people, ego is huge, especially in this business. Everybody wants to walk around like they have the biggest balls. Mm-hmm. And they so peel that apart because I love the direction you're going. But yeah. if you think music industry specifically is built off of ego and yes. propping up the ego of one person's talent. So there's really interesting reason as to like why it's so prevalent in this industry no, relative to others. Not even the artists, but like the people around the artist. It's like, I found that the the managers that are the most talented that have been around forever, whether you're talking about a Corn Capshaw or you're talking about, you know, a Michael McDonald that have just been mm-hmm. in the business for like OG, yeah. is they surround themselves with the smartest people. Right. They're like, I might not be the best Instagram algorithm oh, figure sure. outer, but like I'm gonna find some 22 year old who's like bomb. Yeah, like that's the type of thing where I think you know a phrase that I go by all the time is I would rather be a I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I want to just be a master of this one thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why like you know super fan is super niche. We don't people say well oh can you do my ticketing no can you build my website no I cannot. 
I have friends, I have other founders and companies that I know that right. are happy to collaborate, but I'm not going to do any of that for you. Right. And people might say, but why? You're turning down business and you could expand. No, because I want to focus on this one thing mm-hmm. and I want to do it A++. Right. Instead of offering five things and doing like a B minus, sometimes right. B plus job at it. Right. And so I think my whole thing about being the sort of dumbest person in the room is I want to be the dumbest person in the room like holistically, but I am going to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to this super fan engagement right. because that's that's, awesome. that's the only thing I focus on. Mm-hmm. It's like tunnel vision. Like, totally. don't ask me to do anything but the breaststroke. Right. Like, I, can't, right, right, I can't do anything else. Right, right, <laughs> that's right, all right, I got. Sure. I'm a one-trick pony. Totally. <laughs> um, for the last thing, we printed out these two truths and a lie on your website. Ooh, and I want to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Okay. Um, this is so the fun. The first one is, I've been to the Junior Olympics twice for volleyball. The second one is, I'm an avid Top Chef fan and never miss an episode. The third one is, I think Roger Moore is the best James Bond. Sam, which one do you think is the lie? I think I'm an avid Top Chef fan and I never go, miss I, an episode. I, I take my, I, is, I, is that I, what you think too? Yes. Is that the lie? No. Damn. Roger Moore was the worst James Bond. <laughs> I just thought, you know, you're busy. How do you not miss a Top Chef? How do you catch all the Top Chef videos? Sean Connery was the best James Bond, followed shortly by Pierce Brosnan. And I don't mind Daniel Craig, but he's a little too rough for me. I like the more like suave James Bond. Is it official if Idris Elba is going to turn it down or? We don't know. We don't know. I'd love to see him. Now but- they're saying it might be a woman. Which not to sound anti-feminist, but like, I don't want that. Yeah, I agree. I want the man. The dashing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the James accent. Bond. <laughs> also, would it be a woman named James Bond? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would it be Jamie Bond? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Jane, Jane. James Bond's daughter. Yeah. James Bond dies in an accident. His daughter comes up, oh, I mean, rises I, like a phoenix. <laughs> I'm going to get so many hate comments. Like, uh, you don't believe in women. Yeah. And no, I'm going to be is. like, you're right. Is your <laughs> it's James Bond for a reason. Yeah, uh, uh, your company is is all women, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I feel like we're just a tribe of powerful, awesome lady folk. We interviewed someone else on the podcast named Jen Pierce. Her company is also all women. So she actually gave me a note that just says, you are awesome. And she wanted me to give it to you. So, so I'll give it to you after we <laughs> oh get off God, air. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love passing notes too. And I, cool. I can't believe you guys got the lie wrong. Top Chef's a great show. It's very easy to watch. I didn't think you would watch ne- Never Miss an Episode. I figured you were very easy. Yeah, now like, we got to fact check this. Because there are a lot of episodes <laughs> out here. <laughs> yeah, next time, next time we're gonna read the synopsis. Yeah, you have to yeah. say which episode it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what's good about Top Chef, and you guys will probably do this too if you ever watch. I feel like obviously I'm not even close to a Top Chef. I like dabble, but by halfway through the episode, you're sitting there going like, oh, it's definitely Tony. That was too much salt. Like Tony's <laughs> out. That and you're sitting there going, I couldn't even cook this. Filet, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, if I yeah. tried, but you're suddenly going, he oversalted it. Yeah, like yeah. he's oh, definitely he's gone. Up. He's definitely, yeah. he's definitely gone this Amazing. week. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today. We really thank enjoyed you. this conversation. Very thank excited you. to see you. your continued success. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of I hope course. I get invited back. Yeah, Round definitely <laughs> coming up. Thank you. What's up, George? <laughs> 
Hey, man, that was a really fun episode. I had a lot of fun myself. I got to tell you, when I started this episode, I did not think that we would dip into the fact that I watched The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. But me, hey. Me neither, man. That's just the personality that I'm came in. Joe she brought ass. it out. Me. Yeah, she brought it out. Me, you know? Joe Bachelorette. <laughs> that, boy. <laughs> got me, Sam. Yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me. You hopeless, bro. Man, this fucking ass. <laughs> you know, I, I talked about my girl too. It's my girl fault. I watched because my girl. That's just funny. That TV show is yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Don't pin it on your girl, yeah, bro. No, yeah. It's a funny show. Okay, I'm a man and I watch Bachelor in Paradise. It's funny. It's hilarious. But anyway, very glad that she could come on. Um, I think she's just a natural in terms of speaking on the podcast too. In terms yeah. of you know, she's had long form interviews that you guys can catch uh, online. Um, she obviously was on Shark Tank, so you know she came in here with such poise, and it showed on the on the episode. Um, she was we were able to get really good information out of her. None of it sounded rehearsed. Um, and like I said, you know, one thing that I'm a huge advocate for is fan engagement. That's like the number one thing. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's all you really want as an artist is for people to engage with your music and really listen to it. That's the that's the whole reason labels exist. That's the whole reason managers exist. That's the end goal for everything, you know, um, really creating this community that we're talking about, nurturing it. So um, she has some great ideas for indie artists in this episode, too. I wanted to talk about that because obviously her company at this point has scaled so, so massively that she works with bigger artists. But, you know, there's some nuggets in here for smaller artists, too. So um, it was fun. We got the two shoots and a lie wrong, but it's okay. My pride is cool. We're going to keep it moving. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think if anybody, if you're with your artist management company, working the live event side, I think definitely encourage you guys to reach out to Kim, check out her company, the Superfan company. Um, a lot of really interesting ways. And I think if you guys are really going to think and walk away with a question to really reflect upon, I think, how can you better nurture the relationship you have with your biggest super fans? I think that's critical. I think those are going to be the people that are the foundation of any success that you have in your career. And your super fans, you know, they're not necessarily the same on every level, right? So some super fans, they might be the ones, like she was saying, to wait outside your hotel room at 2 a.m. But when you're much smaller, your super fans might just be people that listen to your music every day. And mm -hmm. that's it, mm -hmm. you know? So identifying who those people are as early as, early as you can. Yeah. You know? Totally. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening and tuning in to the Music Business Podcast. Really appreciate your support. Uh, if there's anything that you guys want us to dive deeper into in upcoming episodes, please um, hit us up on Instagram at Music Business Podcast. We're paying attention. Uh, we love y'all. Until next week. Appreciate you guys, man.